Hi, welcome back to Expert Instruction, our Teach by Design podcast. Today, you know, we're, we're going to be exploring an aspect of our September article that maybe we couldn't just get to um, in the actual post itself because we don't have the space and we wanted to talk to someone who's actually doing some of the work. So our September article was all about um, teams and how we can work to adapt some of those in-person strategies for virtual team meeting spaces. And so today we invited Aaron Chaparro, a researcher from our department who's focused on the team-initiated problem-solving project, to tell us a little bit more about some of the schools that she's been working with and some of the things that she's seen they, they're doing um, and maybe how they'll be able to do some of these things, you know, into this school year. So thanks for joining us today, Erin. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Megan. Yeah. So could you tell us just a little bit more about the team-initiated problem-solving process and maybe what you're expecting to do this cycle with the grant? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I think to go back a little bit further, even in 2012, I had the privilege of working with Dr. Rob Horner and Ann Todd, mm -hmm. Dr. Ron Anise, and we were working with a local school district to implement PBIS, scale it up across the district and across the tiers. Um, and so when we started that, I had the chance to really uh, sit with uh, one school-wide PBIS team and help them implement PBIS from year one um, to year four. And oh, wow. yeah, and in that process, you know, I was participating in all the tier one meetings and all the tier mm -hmm. two meetings, um, a couple tier three meetings, but I really got to see how team meetings function and learn how team meetings function. And then also how we can improve team meetings and, and sure. their efficiency and, and how they function. And so, um, Anne and Rob, as well as others, had developed this process called the Team Initiated Problem Solving, um, and now it's the framework, we call it, the framework. Okay. So they uh, developed that, they had a grant that studied that, they did a randomized control trial of that and found that teams who use it have more efficient team meetings. So instead of like a 45 minute team meeting, they have a 30 minute team meeting. Um, yes. they have, yeah, right, everyone loves. <laughs> everyone we were just talking about that before we started. <laughs> The Everyone's gift of time. Having, yeah, the gift of time, efficient. And then also teams at the end of that, using that process, felt like they made good use of their time. They didn't let tasks fall through the cracks. They didn't, you know, student issues didn't fall through the cracks because they were able to keep on track, uh, keep on top of everything and manage mm -hmm. everything more efficiently. So, um, so they used this tips process. So then in 2000. Uh, 15, 16, we started writing a new grant because in the past people were using just paper and pencil mm -hmm. or a Google Doc to keep track of their meeting minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, sitting through all these meetings, I said, wouldn't it be nice if we could add some technology to this <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and do it even faster and better and, uh, mm -hmm. and more accurately? So, mm -hmm. um, so we wrote a grant and that got funded in 2017. And the grant was to specifically develop uh, training for teams to online so that a team, no matter where you are, if you're, you know, in rural Oregon or if you're downtown Chicago, you can access really high quality training on how to run an efficient team meeting. Um, so we are just wrapping that up. We're in the last year of that grant. 
We've had um, some schools participate with us across the country. We've got schools in Pennsylvania, Wyoming, California, and Oregon have been a part of our pilot study. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we were involved in our pilot study when the pandemic hit. So a weird thing is that we've had the opportunity to see teams function in person and live all together in a building um, mm -hmm. before the pandemic and then after the pandemic our teams moved to online and they were able to use the same procedures of um, having a, a, the everyone with a role and responsibilities and then moving through their problem solving process using the TIPS framework. So a unique situation but no one that kidding. we really us, <laughs> happy to see it work out. Yeah, and what foresight you had to put your training online. <laughs> pretty great, pretty great. So, uh, so like you said, you have some teams that are working across the country, and uh, you had you had they were all meeting and doing things from the beginning of the year all the way up until probably March or so, um, all in person. And so, um, I'm sure their experiences in the spring kind of. I can't imagine that they just were like, okay, no problem. Let's just transition to this, to doing Zoom stuff, you know? So I'm just curious about what you noticed, the way that they, um, the way that they shifted some of the things that were able to just keep happening without any extra, um, I don't know, thought. Um, what were some of the things that you noticed about how they were able to transition yeah, to a virtual? Yeah, to the virtual platform, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. One, one good thing is that because they already had their procedures in place, they kind of just were able to keep moving forward with that. So they were already a working team, an effective problem-solving team, and mm -hmm. that continued to be the case. So even though their problems shifted and they had to come up with new procedures because they couldn't do check-in, check-out like they were used to doing it in the building, um, mm -hmm. now they had to track data like absences, things like that, but they still had that structure of the meeting working together um, effectively. So that's one piece. I would say another piece, especially that comes out of the TIPS process, is that everyone on the team is assigned a role, a primary mm -hmm. role, and then every member of the team um, also has a backup. So if you're assigned to be the minute taker for that school year, there's also a backup minute taker in case you ever have to be absent um, or in case now there's a technology issue and you can't sure. connect to the meeting. That means that it's okay because there's already been a backup minute taker assigned. And so the meeting can continue without any problems. Um, and that's the case too with the meeting facilitator, with the meeting data analyst. So um, because you know, during the pandemic, people's schedules changed, you know, family circumstances changed. Unfortunately, some people got sick, dealt with a whole bunch of different issues, yeah. had to move, all that kind of stuff. And so there was always a backup person on the team ready to step into the data analyst, the team facilitator, the team minute maker role so that the meetings can continue without, um, without missing anything. Yeah. And something I think when I think about the TIPS process. So there's those foundation, the meeting foundations, right? Um, and so having a role is, uh, and assigning those roles to team members is part of that. But I think too, that there's so much of it that, um, I don't know what the word would be for it. That's, um, I don't know, 
like this is how you do a meeting, you know? And so you've got your minutes, you have an agenda, you, and every minute that you take, every decision that you make is filled out a certain way so that, you know, every there's some consistency there. Um, and so I think that that really lends itself to being, to being able to really just like, you can keep the meetings going, even though the platform and the context maybe has changed. Um, are there some parts of the meeting that you noticed didn't really, continue in the spring that would maybe need to be adapted um, more than just transitioned? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a key part of the TIPS framework is the idea that we're collecting data and that we're using data to make decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and so that happens for school-wide systems. So if you think about, you know, what you do in your school-wide uh, PBIS meeting, the the drill down of who, what, when, where, why, and when, yeah. um, and how often. So you still have that where you're identifying a problem. Um, and then once you've identified that problem with precision, then you identify your goal, you identify the solution, implement the solution, monitor and evaluate that, and make a decision about whether to maintain the plan, modify the plan, terminate the plan, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so with the shift to the online platform, I think the main thing that changed are the types of data that people yeah. were collecting, but they still use that same process. If you And I'm making a circle because our graphic for it, <laughs> is, and we have the different uh, points of the problem solving process, identify a problem all the way to make a decision. And so mm -hmm. uh, got those different steps. So it's a constant flow that you're following, but the data was different. And so instead of, for example, like in check in, check out where you know, the student at the end of the day is turning in their check in check out point card that they got at the end of every period throughout the day. Instead, you have maybe that check in check out coordinator actually called the student every day mm -hmm. and just said, you know, were you able to log in today? Were you able to, to you know, um, do your assignments today? Do you need any help? And then that check in check out coordinator, maybe you still use the point card idea. So still use gotcha. the two one zero rating, but maybe they only have a rating once a day or yeah. even a week or twice a week. Um, mm -hmm. So the data, the data did change. Yeah, I can imagine that. I think we saw some similar stuff. I think schools were, especially in the spring, were really um, just scrambling to figure out how to make school work, that the idea of collecting the same data that they were always collecting was not necessarily at the top of their list. And so, um, so it's been interesting to see um, or hear stories about the types of data that schools are collecting, or even like the, like the, if they're if they found new ways of um, using those data um, or collecting them. Like you're saying, the check-in check-out coordinator is the one to fill out the the point card for the for the kiddo instead of, you know, teachers throughout the day. They do it maybe right. once a day or once a week. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and everyone, everyone was adapting. Um, I would say absences was another source of data, and absences, mm. you know, changed. Um, but certainly, it was, you know, did the student log in for their Zoom online class or their Google Hangouts class, <laughs> whatever that live session was, mm -hmm. and then was the student um, getting their assignments in? So, mm -hmm. you know, and or, or was the teacher hearing from that student once a week, like was expected, and so. Anyway, the, the data changed, but the process of using the data 
uh, stayed the same. Yeah, sure. Um, so you're moving, now we're moving into the beginning of the year. And I would imagine that, I, do you have any of your teams that are in person or are they all um, virtual? No, no, they are all virtual right now. Yeah. 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 Um, so I would imagine that there's a hope there, at least I have it for teams. Yeah. <laughs> there's a hope because I've got a kid, that, I've got two kids, one's a kindergartner about to start, um, they're going into school. So the hope is that the fall will be different than the spring because I think a lot of folks were feeling like that was some crisis schooling. Um, and so if the reality is that we're gonna be virtually you know, with each other, um, that maybe we can do it better in the fall than we did in the spring or at least work to improve. And so what are some things that you've been thinking on um, for how these meetings can, can work? Um, what are some things that your teams maybe have come up with? Have you, have you talked with them? Yeah, so I think one piece that I saw in the spring was that you know people were obviously doing the best they can to react and to come up with, okay, if we have these new sources of data, how are we going to use them? What are we going to do with them? Who's responsible for collecting them? So in a way, you know, it's that whole um, adage of building the plane as you're flying. So that's yeah. what happens in the spring. <laughs> yeah. So I think we all felt that. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, but now, so now some of those procedures are set and those, you know, if you think about when you're first setting up your PBIS system, you uh, create flowcharts of classroom managed behavior and office managed behavior. Mm -hmm. And the teams that we work with, we've encouraged them to come up with new flowcharts of data, for example. Um, so when a teacher nominates a student, when do they manage uh, checking in with that student and making sure that student is on track themselves? Or when do they call in support from a tier two team to say, I need you guys to, I need someone from this team to call home to, or to stop by the house or to, you know, drop off materials once a week, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So, um, so I think, you know, building the plane as we're flying in the spring and then in the fall, we actually have those plans developed. And so we can refine them and tweak them a little bit, but now those plans are in place. And so we can continue using the structures that we have, like our meeting foundations and our problem solving mm -hmm. process. Um, and and still keep those procedures going. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, there's something that, um, that I've noticed just in our own meetings, because, um, you know, our department is doing all this stuff too, you know, it's <laughs> unique to schools, right? People are meeting virtually. Um, something that's been really um, useful to me or something that I've noticed is that I'm able to make certain meetings that I maybe wasn't able to make before because I don't have to rush somewhere um, because we all have busy lives. And so something that I was thinking about too, as far as schools go is like, are there some benefits maybe to um, these virtual team meetings that um, that wouldn't necessarily be the case in face-to-face. -face. And something I was thinking on is like parent involvement or even student involvement that uh, for working parents, being a part of a team meeting that happens, let's say at three o'clock in the afternoon, isn't something that would have been, um, uh, I don't know, they probably couldn't commit to doing something like that, but meeting virtually for 20 minutes at three o'clock in the afternoon, I can, I can schedule that, you know? 
Um, so I'm just, I'm thinking on like, what are some, I don't know, what are some ways that we can utilize this virtual space and try and think of it as something positive um, rather than something that is like blocking us from being able to do our best work. Have you guys thought at all on any of that? You know, I don't think we've, uh, we've appreciated the moment as much for that, but I think yeah. um, I've certainly seen that in action where um, I know, for example, one school team was meeting before school because that's the only time that they could get yes. those people <laughs> together. Yes. You know, the principal, a counselor, uh, you know, a coach from the district, and then a yes. couple of teachers from the school building. So the only time they could all do it meet was at 730. Um, right. And so, or seven, uh, it was a different time zone for me. So <laughs> I, was, I wasn't fully alert at the time, but, um, but they've been able to switch their meetings to the middle of the school day because those teachers who were members of the team don't, ha aren't in their classroom with students at that time of day. Um, so instead they can use that morning time before their meetings for planning, which is what they so desperately want. And, um, and then that meeting time gets shifted, you know, to one o'clock in the middle of the day right. where that was never possible before. Right. Um, so, so that's certainly helpful, um, and, and a benefit that, that people are, I think, you know, realizing. Yeah. Scheduling is always a challenge, I think. And, um, at least something I found is like getting on and talking to people virtually has been, um, it's easier to make that meeting happen, especially if it's like a 30 minute meeting, 45 minute meeting, it's easier mm -hmm. to make that happen virtually than it is for me to get in my car, drive somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that, a 30 minute meeting requires an hour and a half of my time. So oh, I think nice. that's, that's something. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish your teams good luck. Um, we're all kind of trying to figure it, like you said, we're trying to build the plane as we're flying it a little bit here. But, um, but it also just kind of seems to me that those good meeting foundations are things that uh, easily transition to um, virtual contexts and that you may be able to take advantage of um, a different schedule. Uh, you may be able to invite some people to, be, to participate in your meetings that otherwise couldn't have committed to being a part of that team um, and uh, and that the the real um, the real struggle or the real problem to solve is trying to figure out which data are going to be the most useful and how to get those data in the hands of those team members um, when before it was easier maybe because you know you yeah. could go and talk to somebody that was on the team just down the hall you kind of see what's going on it's easier to understand how those systems work so trying to come up with that workflow that you were talking about sounds really promising, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then, you know, I, I know we talk a lot when we're talking about team initiated problem solving, we talk about the benefits of increasing the efficiency of your team meeting. So I have seen team meetings go from a 45 minute meeting every week to a 30 minute week minute meeting every week because <laughs> mm -hmm. of those that they've gained mm -hmm. but I think with us being online something I've seen some teams do um, is that we're missing kind of what you talked about like that ability to just walk down the hall yeah. and pop your head in and say hey did you have a chance to talk to that student I was wondering what's going on there and so because that's not happening um, I've seen some teams add say whoever's the meeting facilitator 
say, I'm going to dial in 10 minutes before a meeting is scheduled to start. And if anyone wants to join me or have questions or just, you know, check in with each other about, you know, recipes, (laughs) you know, then, then let's build in that time before the meeting. um, Because Mm -hmm. otherwise we do end up being really focused on our agenda, on our problem solving, and it's great Mm -hmm. for our efficiencies, but then maybe we miss out on um, some of that more personal time where we get to connect with our team members. Yeah, so yeah it's something It's something that I've missed for sure is like those, the last, like at the end of the meeting, like 10 minutes at the end of the meeting where you just are like, hey, look at this picture of my cat, you know, or whatever, you know, just like checking in with people about life is really nice. And I think too, especially if you've got new team members um, coming on that it helps to build that trust and that rapport with them to let them know that like they're a whole person and that we care about that. Um, And part of an effective team, I think, is being able to feel free to share the knowledge that you have and that requires some trust. So I think that's smart too, you know, building in that time into those meetings so it's not just work, 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 that you have a minute to acknowledge that, you know, maybe someone's showing up with something that day or just want to talk, you know. Yeah, yeah, just great. fun. <laughs> work, work and our work teams are fun. We, you know, generally we enjoy the people we work with. And yeah. so it's nice to be able to spend uh, time with the group and not feel like you're stealing time away from the work that needs to be done, that you're mm-hmm. maintaining the efficiency and the rigor and the agenda, but you can still have those personal relationships too. So if people are interested in the work that you've been doing, um, is there an online place that they can go to check out any of the information? Yeah, you know what? Um, obviously, if you go to pbas.org and type, type in tips, um, we are in the process of updating a lot of those materials right now with the grant that's that we're in the final process. Oh, that's right exciting. Now. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of our goals this year. Um, we also uh, do have a... Um, a demo site. Uh, and so I think the best thing probably is for people to email me um, okay. at E, yeah, at E Chapar, so E C H A P A R R at uorgan.edu. And then I'm happy to send people a link to the demo site for um, our tips meeting minute application, which I didn't Excellent. even talk about, but we've got cool. <laughs> cool bells and whistles on there for, for uh, tier two teams to try out. And then our tips online training as well. Um, we can give people a demo of that. And then we're taking, um, we're taking schools who want to participate in that uh, training right now. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, email Aaron, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, More thanks. For, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Megan.